Welcome to another episode of Straight Out Left. Today we are breaking radio silence with a very significant moment for this show. For the first time ever, I have a guest in my dorm room studio recording with me. We're going to be talking about all the new rookies that have come up this season and the impact that they're making. From Witt to Green to Torkelson to Suzuki to Quan, we're going to talk about all of them. Also, what happened with Clayton Kershaw in Minnesota? I want to give my take on the controversial decision to pull him from his perfect game in the seventh inning. So stick around for today's episode. It's going to be a good one. So for today's episode, we actually have a guest on. Um, my uh, good friend and esteemed colleague, Leo Schaefer, is here to discuss um, the performances of certain rookies in the MLB so far this season. So, hey, Leo, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Not bad. I'm doing good. Um, just so you all know, I am an Astros fan, so you can cue the hate right away. Um, Luke and I have been over this multiple times. Don't worry. He considers me a project, and he's trying to fix me, but I am not <laughs> relenting. Yeah, he's he's really stubborn. Um, so we were doing research before we put this together, and uh, we wanted to talk about um, – there's been a lot of rookies that have come up this year with a lot of hype surrounding them to varying degrees, and there have been lots of different players that have done different things. Some have exceeded expectations wildly, and some have disappointed dramatically. So we wanted to pick out – we have seven specific guys we wanted to – highlight today so firstly we wanted to pair together two um two guys that are doing really well um say suzuki from the cubs and uh steven kwan from the guardians uh say suzuki very well known and there's a lot of hype surrounding him coming into this season and since he came over from japan to chicago he has delivered on that he is um through his first eight games he has three home runs and a 409 batting average along with a 304 ops plus He's getting on base at a 533 rate, and his slugging percentage is 909. He has six extra, ba- no, five extra base hits, sorry, in his first eight games. And then uh, Stephen Kwan was way more of a surprise, and he started off his um, his MLB career in his first five games. He was hitting 667. That bang average since then has dropped down to 385, but he is still has a 224 OPS plus and he's only struck out two times so far in his major league career. And um, Leo, do you have anything else you want to add about these two guys? Not much other than the fact that they did kind of come out of nowhere. Suzuki obviously was a star in Japan, but his um, production numbers here so far have been far and away higher than they have been overseas through nine seasons in the NPB, the Japanese Baseball League, he had a 414 on base percentage and a 570 slugging percentage, which adds up to a 985 OPS. And obviously the um, numbers here are from a much, much, much smaller sample size, but his production here is a 533 on base and 909 slugging, which is a 1442 OPS, which is absolutely insane. Again, that is only over eight games but there's a lot of good signs going forward. The fact that he's already driven in 10 runs that um, in 22 at bats, he's only struck out seven times and his walk to strikeout ratio is a one to one. Quan is also a very interesting case in the fact that he never made any prospect rankings at all from, from his time in, in the minors. And he was in the minors for two or three years before getting called up. Um, and in college before that, 
and his numbers here looking at looking at his past are also pretty surprising he never had more than a 463 um, on base percentage and that was at his senior year at oregon state his uh pac-12 college and he comes to the majors and immediately puts up a 541 on base percentage again only over eight games compared with 66 for oregon state but it's something to look at going forward yeah, I was um, reading Quan's uh, prospect briefing on a uh, uh, Fangraphs, and they compared him to Brett Gardner. They said he's got a he doesn't strike out a lot, and he's got a good um, good defensive instincts. But they weren't expecting him to do too much with the bat. But um, Leo, you were saying earlier, what player what player do you think uh, Quan seems to resemble actually now that he's gone up to the majors? I see a lot of Japanese Ichiro Suzuki and Juan Soto in him given the fact that number one he's good at defense that's something that the fangraphs prospectus was stating pretty heavily but he's also pretty fast through 413 pre-professional games and professional games minors included he stole 42 bases and was only caught 26 times and he so he stole a base on average once every four games and that's something that's getting rarer and rarer in today's game also, the fact that moving over to uh, his Juan Soto comparison, he's only struck out twice in 37 plate appearances in the majors. And that's something that is echoed through his whole career. He's only struck out 139 times in 1,724 plate appearances, combined with 206 walks, eight of them at the major league level. So he walks once a game, and he'll strike out once, maybe even maybe every four games, which is very, very similar to what we've seen over the past couple of years with Juan Soto. Yeah, definitely. And uh, having hitters that aren't swinging and missing a lot is definitely a huge plus in today's game. Um, another prospect I want to talk about really quick is um, Joey Bart of Buster Posey's hair in, in uh, San Francisco. Um, through his first seven games as the Giants starting catcher, he had about 35, he played about 35 games over the past two seasons. This is his first real chance to be the full-time starting catcher for San Francisco, and he still has rookie eligibility. He's played good defense, and he's hitting 273 with a couple homers and a 976 OPS. However, I'm a little concerned about the fact that he struck out 13 times in 26 play appearances, so 50%. He needs to stop swinging so wildly and um, hopefully bring that number down a little bit. But so far, the raw numbers are looking good. He just, um, yeah, bring that strikeout rate down and... I mean, we're not expecting him to be Buster Posey, but he was at one point of first-round pick, so he's got a lot of potential. And then uh, moving more into the spectrum of prospects that have been disappointing so far this season, Leo has a couple guys that he wants to uh, look at and uh, point out what he thinks is up with them and some things that stood out to him. This is a statement that's probably going to age very, very badly, but let's move into a segment that I want to call the Hall of Shame and bring up Bobby Witt Jr. and Julio Rodriguez. And I specifically want to contrast these guys with uh, the two that we talked about earlier, Stephen Kwan and Seiya Suzuki. Um, Witt and J-Rod both have batting averages under 200. They have on-base percentages, both, I believe, under 200. Yes. And both have slugging percentages, which are under 200, which... Again, this is only through eight or nine games. This probably shouldn't be an example of a, of a functional sample size, but again, 
I want to make this comparison. Even if this is just a slow start, it's a very slow start while Suzuki and Quan are good right out of the gate. And I think one of the one of the factors that we can chalk this up to is the fact that J-Rod is 21, Wit is 21, but Suzuki is 27 and Quan is 24. J-Rod and Wit both have under 200 professional games. Say Suzuki's appeared in over a thousand games. Steven Kwan has had over 400 games from college on up under his belt. And I think that what this can really tell us, again, it's only 10 games. But the more that you wait on a prospect, the more that you let them mature, the more of a chance that they'll turn out to be something right away at the big leagues. Um, there are exceptions to this rule. Obviously, the one that you can bring to mind is Juan Soto, who only had something like 60 minor league games under his belt before getting called up, and only eight at a double A AA or above level. But it's happening more and more often that prospects get rushed, and they get to the big leagues, and they don't do anything of note for the first few months or even the first couple of years, and then they're bouncing up and down throughout the minors. And... Another person that I want to bring up is Yermin Mercedes from, as we all remember from last year, comes to the big leagues, absolutely destroys the field, and he was 27. He had something like 1,500 professional games under his belt before getting called up. And yes, he got called back down, but I think that there's other factors there that we have to consider, namely his relationship with the manager, uh, Tony Larissa, which I will keep silent about. <laughs> And I did want to say a word about Joey Bart. We've been focusing a lot on his offensive statistics. And yes, those are of some concern, especially his strikeout numbers. But we have to remember that Bart's a catcher. And catchers are valued more for their um, defensive acumen and ability to command and control a field. More so than they are to their offensive ability. And I'm not entirely worried even about his offensive ability because his on-base percentages are around 385 and his OPS plus is still at 178. All right. And then the uh, last prospect on the hitting side that I wanted to talk about, or we wanted to talk about was a Spencer Torkelson. Um, I think we both have kind of differing takes on him. Um, Leo, I'll let you go first and share your thoughts on how he's been doing so far for Detroit. Yeah, I don't hate his numbers. That's not, don't get me wrong. I, I, don't, I don't think that they're terrible. He's hitting 240. I like his walk numbers. I like his the fact that he's getting on base. But you got to remember that this kid was a number one overall pick. He was a top five prospect two years in a row um, under baseball prospect as Major League Baseball and Baseball America. We should be expecting Stephen Kwan numbers or say a Suzuki numbers from Spencer Torkelson, and we're getting kind of average numbers, on base percentage accepting. But just looking at what the hype said about Torkelson versus what we're getting from Torkelson, it's not really living up to that. Like he has a lower OPS plus than Joey Bart does. 
and that's it's not terrible numbers but it's not what we were expecting it's not really what it should be if that makes sense yeah um personally i don't mind how torgelson's been doing i definitely get what you're saying though um the strikeouts are a little high but the power's been there at the same time if you want him to if you're expecting him to be like one of the best hitters of this generation he shouldn't be striking out 30 percent of his one third of his plate appearances that's not good um but then again that's the age of baseball that we're in right now um i think uh, like like leo said earlier about rushing prospects torkelson could be slightly rushed because he was just drafted in 2020 and his um so he's had only one full professional season under his belt he did play in college with help which helps him he wasn't just drafted straight out of high school however you know maybe he detroit's putting a lot of uh they're investing a lot into him and they're saying right now you're our guy and that could definitely work out for them i don't think that torgelson is just going to flame out and be a complete bust but you know, maybe they're rushing him a little bit, and maybe we're going to see kind of some subpar numbers before he fully develops come his age 24-25 season. But, yeah, so far I'm happy with what I'm seeing. I think it helps that there's other people around him. The Tigers brought in Baez and Meadows to show that we want to build a team around Torkelson, not just have Torkelson be our guy, which I think helps him out a lot. I think if it was just him carrying last year's lineup, that would have not been an ideal situation. So... I I think I'm a little more excited by what Torkelson has done so far, but I can see why there might be a little bit of apprehension for now. One problem that I have is I feel that Detroit is kind of rushing a rebuild. Looking at where they've been for the past two or three years, they have been rather abysmal. And that's kind of an understatement. And this past offseason, they've kind of finally decided, okay, we're getting our crap in order. We're buying some big names and we're bringing our prospects up right away. And looking at Torkelson's minor league numbers, I don't really think that that was warranted. He has a 267 minor league batting average. Yes, a fairly decently high on base percentage north of 380, but also some pretty high strikeout numbers. 77 in 120 games, which seems low for today's league, but that's facing minor league pitching. If I were the Tigers, I would have let him spend his age 22 season this season in AAA Toledo, let him mature a little bit more, and then give him a either a midseason call-up or even call him up at the beginning of next year and let him play for a fully rejuvenated Tigers team that can make a run at the playoffs either next year or the year after. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. Also, too, his numbers in AAA were not incredible. He hit 238 with a 881 OPS, which is good. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was hitting – he hit 11 home runs in only 40 games, so the power was there, just the average was not. That's what we're seeing so far at the major league level, so that's something to also think about. Then lastly, one last guy I want to talk about over on the pitching side, Hunter Green – has made two starts so far for the Reds. And there's a ton of hype surrounding him, and he has definitely lived up to it, I think. Uh, he has a 4.35 ERA, over 10 and a third innings pitch, and he has 13 strikeouts. One thing I'd like to point out is that his two starts have been against the Braves, the defending World Series champions, and the Dodgers. 
So he's faced two really good lineups in his first two games. And while he wasn't, he didn't like shut anyone out, anyone out or anything, but he was, he was missing bats and showing really good stuff. And a 4.35 ERA for through your first two starts is pretty good. And then he also, in his start against LA, he set the major league record for most 100 mile per hour or faster pitches in a game. He threw 39 of them against the Dodgers by far an MLB record. I think the previous high was in the low 30s. But yeah, I'm really excited to watch him pitch throughout the rest of the season. I'm going to be tuning in to most of his starts because I think he's really fun to watch. And uh, to wrap up this segment, Leo, do you have any thoughts on Hunter Green and what he's been doing so far? I have two. The first is that this really is a case where statistics don't show the whole story. Yes, he has a 4.35 ERA, but that was against two of the best, like what are regarded as the best teams in baseball right now. Yes, he has a 4.35 ERA, but his whip is 1.065. That is very low. That is very encouraging. The second thing that I want to talk about is that I think that he's going to have trouble with the fly ball. He's given up a total of nine hits. Three of them have been home runs. He's given up nine hits and five earned runs. He has some of the lowest hits per nine innings, but some of the highest home runs per nine innings. And I think that going forward, he has to learn to keep the ball on the ground, maybe turn to a little bit, lessen off the power a little bit and turn a little bit more into a control pitcher to be viable long-term in the major leagues. Interesting. We'll have to see. And again, we're reacting to a sample size of about two starts or 10 games for these guys. So there's none of these are probably going to age very well. So, but um, just, yeah, there's been a lot of excitement with all these new players coming up and which ones have done well, which ones haven't. So it's just uh, cool to kind of recap their first uh, couple weeks, couple weeks in the big leagues and see what they've done. But uh, anyway, I think that'll wrap it up for this segment here. Um, Thanks Leo for coming on today. It was great having you. And uh, it was awesome hearing your takes on these players that are coming up to the majors. Yeah. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, and we'll be back right after a short break. And one other thing I wanted to talk about today, even though this is about a week old, is the Clayton Kershaw perfect game situation up in Minnesota. So facing my twins, Clayton Kershaw was absolutely dominating through his first seven innings of his start at Target Field last Wednesday, April 13th. He had thrown 80 pitches and had had 21 batters up and sent 21 batters back. He was perfect, um, doing really well. There was no really severe underlying factors such as, oh, the Twins were starting to hit the ball really hard from what I can see. He was just dominant. But Dave Roberts decided to pull him after the seven innings, prompting a lot of outrage and surprise from people all across the MLB fan community. So a few things. As a fan, I completely disagree with the move. I, as, as, a, as just a passive baseball fan, I want to see a perfect game. So I'm not happy that Kershaw got pulled. However, I can 
digging a little deeper, I can understand a little bit more of why he was pulled. And it's not because, and I don't like Dave Roberts for this reason. I think he is, he falls into analysis paralysis and he makes stupid decisions based on analytics and then they backfire. But um, I don't think this was more so like an analytics thing and more of just a real physical limitation kind of thing. Kershaw is coming off a year where he had major injury problems and was struggling for the second half of last year and was out of the postseason. He couldn't pitch because he wasn't healthy enough. He was on the IL. So this was this was his first start back from a lengthy uh, stint on the IL. So he was um, definitely a little wary. And there was also uh, no spring, a uh, very short in spring training this year. So he didn't really have as much time to properly build up. And old timers are going to complain and moan about how pitchers are soft. And back in my day, you threw 150 pitches and then you took a, took painkillers. That way you could, your arm wouldn't feel like you wouldn't feel your arm falling off or whatever. Um, we can complain about that and yearn for bygone days to come back. But at the end of the day, the reality is, is that's not how people are today. These pitchers have all been raised and have been training to throw less pitches and complete less of the game. So, yeah. So you can't just automatically flip a switch and be like, oh, I'm just going to tough it out and throw complete games every start because as much as as much as fans might like to see that, they can't. They, You can't just um, suddenly make your arm just better. You've been, you've developed it to throw 80 pitches a game, then you're going to throw 80 pitches a game. So, uh, yeah, so I don't, so I don't see any, I don't think it's productive to complain like that. So basically Kershaw was coming off his first major start from injury. He, uh, didn't know how much he could push himself. And at first when he came out and he said, I agree with the decision, I'm happy I got pulled. I was like, he's just saying that just to cover for Roberts. But watching kind of his reactions in the dugout, he seemed actually just content. He was like, he wasn't angry that he got pulled. I know Carlos Rodon came out today with some comments about um, how upset he would be if he got pulled. He said, uh, let me find the article here. He basically said something along the lines of, you'd have to really argue with me to get me out of that game. But Kershaw comes kind of as a, he's a team first player. He always has been. That's why I stuck with the Dodgers for so long. And he said repeatedly, my goal is for us to win another World Series. And if I'm not healthy for that, then I'm not contributing to that. So that's just the kind of picture that Kershaw is. Now, I guarantee if it was this was Rodon or Max Scherzer out there, they would not be coming out. But uh, Kershaw is willing to come out. So I say he genuinely seems to be okay with it. So I'm fine with it. And at the end of the day, he's right. The Dodgers still won the game. He pitched great. And hopefully this um, taking it easy at the beginning of the season will pay dividends for him. And he'll be healthy come September and October for the Dodgers. So I guess I don't, I'm not going to give a clear, I kind of gave my answer as a fan. I wanted to see the perfect game, but as a true kind of baseball 
mind, I I do agree with the move. And like I said, this isn't a case of analysis paralysis. This is just Kershaw's physical limitations were not up for pitching more than eight pitches in the cold Minnesota weather. And once again, I'd like to reiterate, complaining about how pitchers are soft these days isn't going to change that because you can't, like I said, you can't just flip a switch and suddenly throw 120 pitches a game now. If you've been training your whole life to only throw to throw less pitches, you can't push yourself further. It's just not how the human body works. So, yeah, um, just wanted to address that, even though it's about a week late. I'm sure everyone already has their opinions formed about it, but that's just my take. Uh, very compelling story at the beginning of the year, among many. All right, that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening to the episode, guys. Real quick, I wanted to cite a couple sources. Um, One resource I use a lot for my podcast is Stathead Baseball from Sports Reference. Really awesome tool to help me do research and prepare for each episode. So thank you to them for all the work that they do over there. And also for today's episode specifically, I got a lot of my information about Clayton Kershaw and the perfect game from an article on Fangraphs by Jay Jaffe. I think that's how you say it. So thank you for thank you to him for all of his work. Also, thank you to Leo once again for appearing on the show. It was great to talk with him and discuss all the rookies and the big leagues and seeing how they're doing. But anyway, thank you again for listening. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and many other platforms. Leave it five stars or follow it or do whatever you got to do. And keep your ears peeled for the next episode, and I will talk to you guys again soon.